Hey guys, what's up? Thanks for joining us on Soto Mojo Offseason Podcast 3.1. You're about to listen to part one of our two-part discussion on the Mariners outfield, where it was in 2017 and where it is going for 2018 and beyond. In part one, we'll be joined by Soto Mojo contributor Dan Clark to get his opinions on the uh, on the current outfield situation for the Seattle Mariners. And in part two, we will be joined by Emerald City Swagger uh, contributor who covers the Mariners, uh, Nick Lee, will join us for part two. So sit back, enjoy, and give us your feedback and let us know how we can make this show bigger and better than it's ever been. Enjoy the show. That's right, guys. This is Colby Patnode here with Soto Mojo contributor Dan Clark. Dan, how are you doing today? Very well, thank you, Matt. How are you guys? Uh, we're we're trucking along here. We're watching some postseason baseball and wishing the Mariners were a part of it. That's for sure. Yes, definitely. I'll be going. <laughs> but uh, today, as I mentioned in the intro, we're going to be taking a look at the Mariners outfield, uh, where it was last year and where it's going in the future. And so let's just dive right in and take a look at the 2017 Seattle Mariners outfield. And I guess just I for uh, for just a simple statement, Dan, did the 2017 Seattle Mariners outfield did it work? Were you happy with what happened with that? I was a lot happier with how um, the 2017 outfield played out. Um, the defense defense out there was I haven't checked the numbers, but I'm pretty sure it was in the top sort of third in the league. Um, I loved all the ground that they covered. Um, I was, if I was going to sort of give it a grade, I'd probably give it a B plus. So, yeah, I was pretty happy with how the Mariners outfield sort of played out this year. Um, rookie years from basically Gamble, Heredia and Mitch Henniger and I know Heredia had sort of a bit of a discount, but if he was playing with all those injuries, you can you can sort of go, yeah, fair enough. But, I'll, yeah, I was really happy with how they come out. Hangula looked really, really good. I'm excited to see sort of how he looks. And even Van Gam, um, at one point there, he was leading the, the batting title and still finished up at about hitting 290. So I don't think he can ask for too, more from, too much more from the, um, the rookies that we had out there. So, yeah, I was pretty happy with them. Yeah, it was a uh, pretty young outfield, to be sure. Um, just go back to the young guys for a minute there. Uh, you mentioned that uh, Hanniger looked, uh, well, I mean, let's be honest, he was probably, what, the third or fourth best hitter on the Mariners as a rookie. Uh, that's that's a pretty big deal. So what, uh, what are your expectations for Hanniger going forward? Are we more of the same? Do you think there's some regression? What what do you think a reasonable expectation for Mitch Haniger is going forward. Um, I think he had a had a bit of regression there in the middle, and sort of uh, to the end of the season, found his sort of early form. So my my hopes are pretty high on Haniger. Um, I don't think he'll sort of light it up um, for a full season like he did at the start of 2017 um, mm. or year. But I'm I'm thinking he could be a sort of 
anywhere from 285, 290 upwards. Um, he's definitely got the power there as well. So if he could hit 20-plus bombs and at least sort of 80, 80 plus RBIs for if, if he plays a full season, I expect him to sort of hit in that in that two role for hopefully in the Mariners uniform for a long time to come. Yeah, five years of control there for Mitch Hanniger. It's kind of hard to see him going anywhere. Yeah. Um, at least for the next couple of years. Uh, you yeah, know, definitely. one of the things about Hanniger too is, uh, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy. He this season he had a two and a half uh, FanGraph WAR despite playing less than 100 games. So, I mean, you're looking at a probably a fully healthy season. You're looking at three and a half, four wins, which is uh, certainly a lot better than what they had been getting out of the right field spot. Uh, just to backtrack a little bit, you mentioned the Mariners' defense. Uh, I pulled it up. According to the UZR 150, which is a pretty standard um, advanced fielding metric that just kind of measures range and arm, and it just kind of throws it all into one big stat for you the seattle mariners outfield ranks sixth in defense uh tied for fifth actually with the minnesota twins yeah and they had collectively the group had the best uh the best arm grade of anybody in major league baseball they had the best throwing arms most accurate in all of baseball so to your point yeah. earlier deep was I mean, it was outstanding yeah definitely definitely you can't ask for um much more than that especially like we said with um uh, bringing in Dyson and then basically having three rookies out there as well. Yeah, let's let's swing over to the other two rookies. Uh, real, or I guess I don't know if Heredia it was technically a rookie this year or not, but let's call him a rookie. Yeah. It was his first full yeah. season. Yeah, uh, yeah. Heredia Gamble, just kind of briefly, what do you like about each of their games, and do you have a preference? Are are you Team Guillermo or are you Team Gamble or? What do you think? What do you think a reasonable expectation is for both of them going forward? Yeah, going forward, um, they sort of depending on which day you, you're either team team Gamble or team Heredia. Um, right. They sort of. I, I still think they'd make a perfect platoon. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like early on in the year, it was all sort of at the start of the year with team Heredia, and then Gamble come up and absolutely caught fire and it was just a bit of a seesaw all year but so i can't really split them which one i, I prefer um but i would i do really like both of their styles of play um and their bats as well right you mentioned earlier that you thought they were a pretty good platoon together uh yeah. guillermo heredia uh, the right-handed hitter against left-handed pitching last year had a 310 average with a 360 on base and a 434 slugging, so that's a that's a WRC plus of 118, which means yeah. he was 18 percent better than the average major league player against left-handed pitching. That's a really valuable piece. Um, so I think uh, I think you're spot on with Heredia being a really good platoon guy. Um, he plays all three all three outfield positions extremely well. And, uh, yeah, you know, we'll see what happens with Gamble. He certainly did struggle at the end there. Yeah. But, I mean, Gamble, he hit lefties pretty well too, but, I mean, we'll see what happens. I think I think you're right. I think together they make one pretty good outfielder, and uh, you can kind of mix and match there. So, uh, I guess 
we hit on the young guys. Let's go to the one veteran that roamed the outfield this year, Gerard Dyson. Yes. We're a year, we're a year removed from that, uh, almost a year removed from that Nate Carnes for Gerard Dyson deal. What do you think? Did the Mariners get their money's worth with Gerard Dyson? Yeah, I definitely think we got our money's worth with Dyson. Um, I know he sort of he was at the last oh, four to six weeks or so, but I, I loved what I saw out of Gerard Dyson. Um, I love the energy. Um, just that even the base running as well, the explosive speed. Um, and, man, the amount of ground that he covered out there in center field, that's going to be hard to replicate if um, yeah, if we sort of try to bring someone else in and we don't sign Dyson. So, yeah, I'll, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll take that deal any day of the week, um, Gerardo Dyson over Nate Collins. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that. Gerard Dyson didn't basically didn't play for the last month and a half of the season. And he still finished with the seventh best war among Marin, uh, among the Seattle Mariners. Um, you know, it's hard it's hard to not like Gerard Dyson, right? He's just he's a really fun player. He runs around, uh, excellent defender, excellent base runner. So yeah, I would say it's unfortunate that the Mariners kind of couldn't get into the playoffs. But uh, I don't know. Do you see Gerard Dyson though as an everyday guy, or is he a guy that you'd like to hit play? You know, 65, 70% of the games. What what do you see with Gerard Dyson? Yeah. Um, in a in a perfect world, I don't probably see him as an everyday guy. Um, I see him as that sort of three-and-a-half, fourth outfielder sort of guy. Um, it, But depending, like, there's not much on free agency and all that sort of stuff coming through. There's only probably three names I would throw out there for sort of center fielders that I'd start over him every day. So if we can't sort of go out there and get get one of those guys. But I think the Mariners have got other needs um, that are a little bit more important. Um, if we can sign Dyson and, and start him in center field every day, I probably wouldn't be too shattered with that. No, and, uh, you know, Dyson's... Uh... The defense could not be understated. He really allowed the Mariners to uh, keep Mitch Haniger in right field, where he is very good. Um, Heredia in left field is—it's really unfair because Heredia is a very capable center fielder, uh, probably one of the better center fielders defensively in baseball. And of course, earlier in the year, Leonis Martin. So Gerard yeah. Dyson really allowed you to just kind of say, "Hey, you know, we're going to be great in center field." But we're not going to sacrifice anything on the corners. We got this, and so I think Dyson, I think you got your money's worth with Dyson. Um, we'll see if it's for more than one season. That would uh, that would just it would be a, kind of a bummer not to see him uh, not to see him come back. But also, it, you know, yeah, it, it has to make sense. It really does. It does. It does. I don't think it would sort of be anything more than like we were discussing before the podcast. There, sort of. Two and sixteen, something sort of like that. Um, just a couple of years, and and yeah, if we can get him back on on a sort of deal like that, um, I don't think it'll be too bad at all. I think I think it'll be a good start for us, and to keep that defense up, like how good was it to see? Oh, okay, Dyson's gone down. We've got Heredia that can play center field. We've got Gamel that can sort of do there at a pinch or we've got Hanniger to play center field rather than years past where, say, if our center fielder went down, 
oh no, we're going to have Dustin Ackley in centre field or Nori Brad Aoki. Miller in centre field or Aoki last year and just guys like that. It was it was actually good to have a bit of depth in centre field for once. So Yeah, yeah it, it was also nice to see a ball hit to the gap and not automatically say, well, there's a double. You know, it just... <laughs> It's nice to just kind of hold your breath for a second and see what he can do. Uh, exactly. We'll move off Dyson here shortly because uh, we've kind of circled around to the topic of discussion that's next on our docket, and that will be what happens in center field um, uh, next year. But uh, before we move off of that real fast, I just want to mention that Gerard Dyson against right-handed pitching, he hit 271 with a 342 on base, um, a 100, uh, even 100 WRC+. Plus. Just not a lot of power there for Dyson. But when you if you could combine Dyson and Heredia to play center field, I think that's uh, something that the Mariners could very well consider because what you have there is elite defense with both and uh, a pretty solid uh, platoon bat. So we'll leave it at that. And uh, let's move on to looking ahead a little bit to 2018. Uh, Jerry DePoto at his end of season press conference said that the Mariners are going to add an outfielder. He was very clear about that, but he also said it didn't necessarily have to be a center fielder because they like what Heredia and what Haniger can do in center. So I guess my question to you, Dan is do the Mariners need to add a center fielder or are you comfortable with Haniger or Heredia there on a pretty much everyday basis? Yeah, what you just said I think was uh, was interesting. Maybe sort of one way that they could go is um, use uh, re-sign Dyson uh, and use him as a platoon with uh, Heredia, and maybe that could be your centre field. Like, it's probably not a great idea to have a platoon in centre field, um, but if you can't get one of the top sort of three guys or so. Um, in free agents for center field, i.e. Lorenzo Kane, um, maybe uh, Cameron Mabin or Carlos Gomez. There's not many other guys that I would sort of put in there over those two guys to play center field. So to answer your question, um, I, maybe I don't think that you need a center fielder, but you need a, a higher athletic guy and a, a young guy with sort of good defense rather than say I don't know a 35 36 year old sort of left fielder like a Justin Worth or someone like that yeah it's uh it's interesting I think if you were to do so let's just say hypothetically they re-sign Dyson and they say okay here's our Heredia Dyson that's going to be our platoon in center field yeah. uh then the obvious question becomes what do you do in left field? I think Mitch Haniger is pretty well entrenched in right. And I think they like Ben Gamble enough that they want to see what he can do in left field. So, but also too, are you going to be a contending team with what could be a pretty big hole in left field? I mean, what, what's the direct, do they go out and do they pursue like, if they're looking at a corner guy now, can they go out and pursue like uh, Justin Upton or something like that? Is that something you're interested in? Or Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, I, I still think no matter what they do, um, they still need um, – if they re-sign Dyson, they still need one more outfielder. Right. Um, no matter what, I think they definitely need another outfielder. 
Um, like like you said, whether it's Justin Upton, um, who's sort of coming off that year. Um, who else you got? Sort of Colby Rasmus is a possibility as well. Um, Carlos I'd, Gonzalez. Yeah, I, I know they're not going to go all out and go for J.D. Martinez. Um, he's going to cost. He's going to cost probably upwards of. 22, 23 million per year, and I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to do that just for an outfielder. Um, yeah, cargo, cargo is a good sort of bet. Um, maybe even they could get sort of Melky Cabrera. That's another one. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I sort of had a few names down for for sort of if we were going for a center fielder, like okay. I said. You're only sort of your free agent guys, uh, Lorenzo Kane, which is probably for, for your outfield, your number one sort of target. Um, Carlos Gomez, Cameron Mabin. And then after that, in center field, you're sort of getting down to guys like Ben Revere. Um, and I'm sure all Mariners fans are going to cringe when I say this, but Austin Jackson as well. <laughs> uh, but uh, after the year he had last year, like, and he had a good year last year in Cleveland, so that's that's the depth of the free agent classes. Not all that much there in center field. Whereas if you go to left field, there might be a little bit more. Right. Uh, I think the uh, I think the idea that center fielder is going to come out of free agency. I, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Uh, I'm sure they like Lorenzo Cain. Uh, who wouldn't? But yeah. uh, the question becomes. Does Lorenzo Cain want to come here? Um, if he does, by all means, go out and get him. Because you're talking about then having a everyday center fielder who you don't have to platoon with, who is going to hit probably first or second in your lineup. Yep. We'll move everybody else down. I mean, yeah, for me, Lorenzo Cain is kind of the obvious you know, target here, but it's also going to be the obvious target for, <laughs> you know, just He's about... Anyone else looking for an outfielder. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, I, I I think maybe we stumbled upon a possible idea that maybe we'll have to write about, and that's the potential of a Dyson Heredia platoon in center, because I'm looking at the list of corner guys who are available this offseason, and I'm looking at a list that includes Michael Brantley, Melky Cabrera, uh, Curtis Granderson, uh, you know, John Jay, uh, you know, like Justin Upton, uh, Jay Bruce, Jose Bautista, uh, Carlos Gonzalez. I mean, it's a uh, it's a much bigger list of JD Martinez, but uh, yeah. you know, it's interesting to look at um, to see what the Mariners need to do in the outfield. It really is. Uh, there's a lot of possibilities. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and put you on the spot here and. It's, uh, it's prediction time. So in the Mar- Seattle Mariners will open the 2018 season in all likelihood against Corey Kluber of the uh, of the Cleveland Indians. So give me yeah. the 2018 starting outfield from left to right. Pick anybody in baseball, anybody you think is going to be a Mariner in 2018. Who's the starting left fielder on March 29th, I think, is opening day? Okay, so starting left fielder. Uh, against Corey Kluber, right-hander. Yeah. If you're going to yeah. use a platoon. No, I think, I think I'm going to stick with that platoon at center. So. Uh, I'm going to throw a bit of a rough one out there. 
<laughs> and you got Kobe Rasmus. Okay, interesting. All yeah. right. And then center I like field. what he did in Houston a couple of years ago. Right. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to get Kobe Rasmus. Uh, it, it is worth note. Is Have you seen anything about Kobe Rasmus coming back and wanting to play? Because he did kind of retired. Kind of, okay. In the middle of the season, he kind of just walked away. I don't know if he's retired yep. permanently. I, I don't know how it's going to work. But, uh, yeah, he's on the restricted list. I, I know exactly how that all works out. But Rasmus is yeah. a free agent if he wants to play. And, uh, I yeah, if he's one of the guys, I think you probably get him for a pretty good uh, price. And, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, he makes sense in left I, field. Maybe he just didn't want to play in Tampa Bay and we'll, we can – Hey man, that's that. that's He's totally like, oh, I don't reasonable. want to play down in, yeah, I don't want to play down in Pete in that dome anymore. I'll, um, yeah, I'm just yeah. gonna retire and go into free agency. <laughs> there you go. That's definitely possible. Uh, so uh, your starting center fielder is gonna be um, left-handed Kluber. I'm gonna go right Gerard Dyson. Uh, right-handed Kluber. Yeah, sorry. Left-handed hitter Gerard yeah. Dyson. All right, and then uh, I'm assuming the right fielder is Mitch Haniger. Definitely, hundred percent. Okay, and then uh, just kind of put a bow on that. Uh, who's the fourth? Who's the fourth outfielder? Um, I'm gonna have five on my roster, so okay. I'm gonna go my fourth one to platoon in center is going to be Heredia. Okay. And um, I'm gonna bring back on a one-year deal to finish his career in Seattle. Ichiro as my fifth <laughs> outfielder. Oh God, Twitter would explode. If yeah. That happened. <laughs> So, um, yeah. in that scenario, Ben Gamble wasn't on the team. Are you trading him? Or are you sending him back down to AAA? What's, what's um, the plan with Ben Gamble in this scenario? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what I can get for him as part of a package mm-hmm. um, and sort of try to get some starting pitching from him. Because, yeah, as we sort of spoke with last week, there's not much reagent sort of was pitching. Um but I'm not going to trade him just for, I hate to say it, another Marco Gonzalez or someone like that. <laughs> um, if I trade him, he's going to be part of a bigger package for a young guy who we can troll for a while who's got sort of a high, high ceiling. Um, but if not, put him in AAA, sort of start him off down there again, see if he can get over what, um, find his feet from sort of, the end of this year, which was sort of, he went downhill a little bit, and um, yeah, go from there. Right. It's uh, it's interesting you mentioned that that uh, Jason Churchill, who uh, prospect prospect insider, Hero Sports, he also does yep. a really good podcast called Baseball Things. Uh, you should you guys should check it out. It's really good. Uh, he just wrote a column recently talking about the top ten Mariners trade chips, and I think Ben Gamble was number six, if I'm not mistaken, okay. and. He mentioned that, you know, hey, if you can fill the outfield with a couple other players, it might be worth shopping Ben Gamble around to see if he can get you a starting pitcher. And, uh, you know, as I've been digging in deeper, looking at my uh, – we've been looking at our off-season plan article that's coming out in early November. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, you know, one of the names that jumped out to me was Jake Odorizzi from Tampa Bay. He's got two years left. Uh, Tampa Bay kind of looks like they're maybe might be a rebuild. And, uh, you know, I Ben Gamble for Jake Odorizzi. Is that kind of in the kind of ballpark of what you would be looking to do with Ben Gamble? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I like Odorizzi. He's, um, 
he's a solid sort of guy. Um, I'll be, if it was straight up, definitely. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be all in on that one. Awesome. So uh, I think that is going to wrap up our part one of this podcast. Uh, Dan, can you think of anything I missed or any player I missed or anything like that? Um, no, but what about yours? Your outfield. What were you sort of thinking and hoping Ooh. for? <laughs> okay. Um, like you said, opening day against the Indians, Corey Kluber. Um, where are you going for your outfield spots? Start with left field. You know, that's interesting because before we started recording, I probably would have said Ben Gamble, but now that we, after we've talked it out a little bit, I'm kind of, I'm kind of interested in the idea of trading Ben Gamble. So, uh, but, uh, just, just for now, I'll say Ben Gamble's my left fielder on opening day. Okay. Uh, center field. I'm going to go off the board. I'm going to go with Randall Grichuk of okay. the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, he's getting shopped. Um, he's got some big time power. Uh, strikes out a lot. Pretty good defender. Uh, he's probably about as good as Hanniger would be yep. in center field. So a little bit of a downgrade there to add some power. I'll go Grechuk, but my absolute, like, if you told me this, the heavens parted up and I could put anybody in center field who might be available this year, uh, it, it would be Kevin Kiermeyer of the Tampa Bay Rays. That's like my dream scenario. I don't <laughs> think it's going to happen, but yep. the Tampa Bay Rays are looking to shed payroll and – you know, Kiermaier's one of the highest-paid players on that team. I don't think you can afford him. You'd probably Kyle Lewis plus. But if I yeah. could get him, then heck yeah. But uh, I'll go Randall Grechuk off the board as my center fielder. Beautiful. Maybe some way, like you said, Kevin Kiermaier, we can go Kiermaier and Odorizzi and just sort of oh, see where that ends up. But, yeah, that's Kevin Kiermaier. I love his defense. And he's, yeah. he's, he's in the top three, I think, of sort of defensive center fielders. Yep. Uh, and right field? Uh, it's Hanniger. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, fourth outfielder or fourth and fifth? How uh, many are you going there? The fourth outfielder is going to be uh, it's going to be Heredia. Yep. I think uh, platooning him with Dyson – or sorry, with uh, Gamble and then having him as a late-game replacement – where you can put him in center field and move Grechuk to left field and have a really good defensive outfield out there. So I yeah. I, I go yeah I'd go with uh, sorry I go with Heredia in uh, as my fourth outfielder as my fifth outfielder I would really like that last bench spot to be a guy who can do more than play outfield. I was um, Ben Zobrist type so like you can oh, play infield yeah. play outfield. I would love Ben Zobrist, but uh, <laughs> even a bad year. But yeah. yeah, I would I would like a guy like that. It's kind of hard to find one right now. There's not a lot out there. Um, you know, yeah. I know that the uh, the Phillies are they're going to be shopping Cesar Hernandez, Cesar Hernandez, this offseason. He's played mostly second and short, but he does have some experience in center. I mean, that's the kind of guy that I would like to have. Um, I just I'm not sure it makes sense to carry five straight outfielders. Yeah, um, which you know it might not be because it just the Mariners had the idea of putting Ben Gamble at first base, so maybe Ben Gamble's <laughs> that guy who can kind of play all three outfield spots and play a spot on the infield. So who knows? Yeah, but uh, yeah, I would I would say you know I guess my big addition would be Grichuk in center field and uh, you know just kind of roll with what you had last year and spend that money on pitching hopefully. 
Definitely, definitely. All right, so I guess that'll wrap it up here. Um, this is episode number three of the Soto Mojo Offseason Podcast, part one. Uh, as I said in the intro, part two with Nick Lee of Emerald City Swagger will probably be up uh, either tomorrow or Friday for the weekend. And uh, we will also be talking about the outfield. So, Dan, do you have any final thoughts, anything you'd like to sign off with? Uh no, I think I think we're all good. Um, if anybody sort of wants to hit us up for or comments on the podcast or questions or that we can answer on future podcasts, um, just hit me up on Twitter at Dan Clark Mariner, um, and we can sort of yeah we can chat there and go from there as well. Awesome, that, I'm all out. Awesome. Well, uh, that'll wrap. We'll just wrap things up here, and I will see you guys in another life. <laughs>